We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Valentin. Hey, men, I want to share with you an opportunity to join an online event hosted by Brave Co. If you're hungry to experience community, breakthrough, and hope with like-minded men, I want you to join us at www.bravecochallenge.com. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. Hey, Brave Co. men, welcome to the Brave Co. podcast. Today, I want to talk about cracking the code on temptation. I'm going to dive in a little bit and give you some tips and tools on helping you overcome temptation. It is a topic that I get asked a lot of questions about. And um, so uh, probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I typically say like the other day, then I realized, oh, that was eight years ago. Uh, About seven or eight years ago, I was um, in a grocery store. I had just walked into the store, grabbed a red basket and looked up and there was a girl in kind of the back of the store in one of the aisles wearing almost nothing. And when I looked up, I've just felt this like incredible pull towards her, which really caught me off guard. And you guys probably understand or uh, can relate to this. You're in some random spot, look over and like, wow, it so caught me off guard that I literally just stopped what I was doing for a second, instantly put my head down and was like, Hey, are you okay? Um, the awkward thing was I was standing in front of the automatic door. And so I, I imagine the door was opening and closing while I'm figuring out, literally I'm asking myself like, Hey, what's going on? Are you all right? And the truth is, it had happened so fast. Like I didn't even have a chance. Like it wasn't like I watched her for a long time and was lusting or, or even in that mode, honestly, I just felt so drawn and so pulled. And so I began to ask myself questions like what's happening. Are you all right? And my first thought was, I felt like I felt like chasing her. I felt like catching her, winning her. And I asked myself the question like what did you want to do? Are you okay? I'm not trying to do I wasn't doing introspection. I was just being really self-aware, realizing that something just happened inside of me that's outside of my normal. If I don't pay attention to this, I'm going to be in trouble. That's literally what was going on. And here's what I realized in just a split second. What I realized was it's Thursday. Now, Thursdays for me is everyone else's Friday. Thursday is the day when I uh, do lots of counseling, at least back then. I, I would do lots of counseling. Uh, it was the last day of my week, my work week. 
uh, before Sunday, which is a work day for me. And I'm emotionally tired. Thursday's the day that I sit at my desk, you know, listening to people's stories, offering them help, empathizing with them. I'm just emotionally spent. And what I realized in that moment was what I was craving from that girl is adventure. I wanted something to chase. I wanted something to win. I wanted something to catch. And the the really interesting thing is if I wouldn't have had self-awareness, I would have had no idea that that's what I was really looking for. That's what I was really wanting. That's what I was really needing because everything inside of myself in that moment said, oh, you want something sexual. And if you guys remember back to my story, I had dealt with sexual addiction, uh, you know, pornography and masturbation back when I was uh, 11 through about 16 years old. And I see guys do this all the time, uh, especially Christian guys. I see them do this all the time. Like I'm saved. I've repented for all of my sins. I have done all the work to like renew my mind. And yet now I have this temptation. Now I'm like tempted and I thought I had changed. Like I thought I had worked through the sexual temptation. I thought I had worked through like all the stuff from my past. And yet here I am feeling overwhelmed by, you know, this girl or, um, this movie scene or, and they get, they fall back into shame. But the truth is, is that if you don't accurately identify, if you don't accurately assess what's really going on, see, whatever we misdiagnose, we mistreat. Whatever we misdiagnose, we mistreat. So Let's assume that I was not self-aware. I would walk into that store, see that girl, be like, oh my gosh, I felt this incredible pull. And then what most guys do is they go back to what I just said a minute ago. They go, oh man, I thought that I had already worked through all this stuff. Here I am feeling all these emotions for somebody. And Or you just got married and you see another woman and you go, oh my gosh, I feel such a draw towards her. Well, if you don't rightly diagnose that, you are going to mistreat. You are, you are not actually going to correctly treat the real need that you have. The real need that you have. And all temptation is, is a need wanting to be met. When you feel tempted, for starters, you have to remember You're not the temptations that you feel because even Jesus was tempted. If you want to get biblical, Jesus was tempted. He was tempted to do all the things that you've ever been tempted to do. Jesus faced that same temptation. So we are not the temptations that we have. We are the values that we embrace, the things that, that, 
you know, the, those values that we grab onto that, that we embrace, that is what we become. And why this is so critically important is not so that you just go, oh, even Jesus was tempted. I don't need to do anything about my temptation. I just need to not do the thing I'm tempted to do. That's like one level. That's like baseline level. The better thing to do is to recognize when you're tempted, it's a, it's a sign. It's a, it's a, the question is, what need do I have? What is the real need behind that? Because the trick to really cracking the code on your temptation is meeting your needs in a healthy way. That's the trick. What was the need that I had with uh, that day? Well, I was emotionally, mentally, physically drained. I was so drained, especially emotionally, mentally drained counseling all day long. It's the end of my work week, had a long week. What is my body wanting? I want a break. I want a release. I want to, I want to come down. And for me, the best way, and and I think for you, the best way that one of the best ways that you can deal with emotional and mental fatigue is fun, is exercising, uh, catching a fish, going hunting, hiking, fishing, um, you know, playing sports. It's those kinds of things. Or like that feeling when you're dating, right? When you pursue a girl, all of a sudden that's an, uh, like you're getting, you're getting so much dopamine and all these crazy chemicals released to your brain. You are no longer mentally fatigued. You're, you got the kick that you needed. Well, my body doesn't care how I get the dopamine release. It doesn't care. It's going, whether you get that from fighting a fish or whether you get that from chasing a woman, we need something. We have a need. It's my job to go, okay, what's the best way to meet these needs? Like connection. We have a need for connection, right? And affirmation. My body doesn't care how I get connection met. Now, I care. My spirit cares. Uh, my conscience cares. But my body doesn't care how I get that need met. It doesn't care if I get that need met through my wife or through somebody else. It just knows I, 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 you got to get this need met. The same way that if you're starving... Your body doesn't go, it may have some preferences, but for the most part, it's saying, give me food. Just give me food. Now, if you're smart, you'll go, what kind of food makes these hunger pains go away that I can also be proud of? That's also going to help me in the long run. And therefore, if you're smart, you don't feel hunger pains and go, oh, just grab the closest thing. Just just go eat a, a whole bunch of cereal late at night, which I do sometimes. Uh, go eat some Twinkies. Go. When you start doing that, right, you begin to perpetuate the cycle of unhealth in your life. And if every time you feel a hunger pain, you go and you eat a bunch of trash, you're not really actually solving 
the problem. You're going to create a whole nother problem. And I think because a lot of guys were never taught this simple, this simple, uh, tool of really understanding your needs. What are, what are, what do you need in order to be a healthy human being? And then how do you identify when they happen? And then how do you go get those needs met? Because you've never really understood that we live in a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And we try to hide what we're really feeling and deny that we're really having these thoughts and these feelings. And there, therefore we're starving ourselves from real connection. Could you imagine if I would have seen that girl going back to my story and been like, Oh my gosh, I want, I want her. I want to chase her. And then be like, Oh no. And then just ignored it. Just like, I'm not going to say anything. Well, I have a real need. <laughs> I have a genuine real need. So if I don't get that need taken care of over time, that draw begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I am, I'm like literally starving to death, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and I will do anything. Now I don't care where I get the food. I'm starving to death. Like as if you were in the desert, hadn't had any water and you are, you are dehydrated at some point you go, I'll drink whatever comes. I'll drink from a swamp. I'll, it do, I don't care. I'm dying. That's what we do. Guys, this is how affairs start. This is how emotional affairs happen. This is how uh, sexual affairs happen. Uh, as part of my job, I've been in counseling since uh, 2004, officially. I've been counseling people from 2004 on a long, long, long time. I have never one time, never worked with a couple who was having an affair, guy or girl, and had the guy go, who had an affair, had the guy go, man, I was just so horny. You know, I was just so horny. I had to go cheat on my wife. That doesn't actually happen. Now, Maybe you were feeling really horny, but you go months, weeks, years without really understanding how to meet your real needs, which having sex, by the way, isn't actually a real need. It's not, if it was a real need here, let me help you with this. If it was a real need, people Every single person before they're married would be in tons of trouble because you're not having sex before you get married. At least my belief is that God designed sex for marriage. Now, healthy sex is definitely a part of a healthy marriage and the result of a healthy marriage. And sex is vital to the health of a marriage. Okay. I don't want to split a bunch of hairs here. But I figured I would um, just clarify that for all you keyboard heroes out there that were going to leave me a message. And yeah, anyways, moving on. 
when we don't correctly identify what need we have and how to meet that need, we end up starving ourselves. Or when you misdiagnose the need, okay, I see that woman. I want to chase her. I go, oh my gosh, I thought I already dealt with this. Then I get a bunch of shame, right? Here comes the shame and here comes the guilt. Now I have to think to myself, am I going to go tell my wife? Tell her what? Tell her that I want it, that I have this problem again. Here it comes. I thought I dealt with it when I was 14 and 15 and 16, but I was just in the grocery store and I got overwhelmed by all this incredible temptation. And now what am I? I'm even more tired emotionally and mentally. And I feel a bunch of shame. And I'm telling my wife, now she's she's scared. She's like, oh. And I'm now I'm really stuck in this cycle. I'm really stuck in this like, oh crap, the thing that I actually really needed, guys, I really needed to go fishing. I really needed to go on a run. I really needed to go pursue my wife and go out on a date. Anything that helps me, right? Release some dopamine, uh, get out of thinking a whole bunch, out of exerting emotional energy. The thing that I really need, I'm doing the opposite. I'm wearing myself out in this, in this deep dive of what's wrong with me. I thought I fixed that. I thought I, and either hiding it or telling my wife and we just freaking wear ourselves out. And when we go again, weeks, months, years without getting our needs met in a healthy way, we end up in these affairs, emotionally, physical affairs, you end up, or you just end up starving all the time and you never get your need met. But almost always guys act out and girls, almost always we act out because there's so much pain and you have to get that pain met. You have to get that, you have to medicate that pain. Over time, eventually you you justify medicating that pain. And it all comes back to really simple. What are your needs? Can you clearly identify them? And are you getting them met? <clears throat> we are a body, soul, spirit being. So we're a triune being. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And your body and your soul and your spirit, they all have needs which this isn't going to be like shocking to, to most people. But the idea that your body, your soul, and your spirit has needs should bring you back to the place where you go, oh, okay, what are those needs? And am I getting them met at a pace or a, a rate that is actually really satisfying? So let's just go through a couple. I'm not going to go through a whole entire list of body, soul, spirit needs. I think you guys should um, talk to your friends about it, but I'll give you some. So when you think about your spirit, what is your spirit need? Well, first, what is your spirit? It's the part of you that connects to God, right? It's It's part of you that connects to the Godhead. So your spirit needs things like communion with God, uh, truth from the word. Uh, It needs hope, right? Some promises, uh, from the Lord. Worship is a, is a big need that we have. Um, it just goes on and on and on. Let's talk about your soul. What is your soul? You can think about it as your mind, will, and emotions. So your mind, will, and emotions, what does your soul need? Well, it needs connection with other people. The ability to process is a massive one. Uh, 
your your brain needs positive self-talk uh, your your body and your mind you you actually need positive self-talk um truth is a, is another need that we have and when you go over to your body right people just people understand body needs oh, most people do we talk about it way more right so food water shelter good hygiene would be a massive one um and then there's hunting fishing and sex uh in there too um okay sleeping is another one for your body now here's the interesting thing you almost can't separate one category from the other even though they are separate but they're all linked together in like this have you ever not slept for two or three days or met somebody literally that hasn't slept for two or three days, four days? What happens to them emotionally? So physically they're tired, right? Physically you're, you're just crushed, but emotionally you begin to either get anxiety or depression or schizophrenia, or it goes into all these right crazy things. I've seen people literally break, literally break and ha- have a, a mental breakdown from not sleeping enough. Okay, well, what happens to you spiritually when that happens? A ton of fear, a ton of uh, oppression, a ton of the opposite, right? On the flip side, have you ever had been in a place where God's giving you like an incredible promise or you got a prophetic word or... Um, something that you've been believing for happens. You have this like incredible encounter with God. Well, what happens to you emotionally? Emotionally, you start to go, oh, God loves me. Like it affects you mentally and, and physically it affects you feel happy. You are happy. You, uh, begin to, to, uh, take care of yourself better. I mean, you begin to have vision and all these other things. What am I getting at? I'm getting at, unless you know what your needs are, right? Well, really what I'm saying is we are, we, we are a triune being that has all these needs. And when we learn how to get our needs met, we're then able to live a happy, healthy life. Okay. Well, what's the best way to find out what you need? For starters, you all know that there's just baseline sets of needs that you have. So everybody has to drink water. Everybody has to eat food. Everybody has to sleep. Everybody needs positive self-talk. Everybody needs affirmation in this world. Everybody needs uh, connection to other human beings. Uh, everybody needs uh, um, a connection to God. Everybody needs... So you can just go through and make a list of those. But, but they all don't necessarily have the same weight, nor do they drain at the same pace. They don't always. I'll say this too. In different seasons, we have different needs and different personality types need different things. So it's not just that like some people are more extroverted or introverted, therefore uh, they need more alone time or more, more connection time and processing time. Although those things are there and very real. Um, it's that in different times, in different places, different seasons, 
we need more of that. So again, you know, I, after a long week of counseling, I'm full. I am, I don't need any more. Uh, I don't need to hear anybody else's story and I don't necessarily even need to talk a bunch. I need a bunch of exercise. I need a bunch of, of, uh, exertion to get back to normal, some connection to God. I just got, you know, I just help people solve tons of problems I need some real connection to God. So different seasons have different needs. It's our job to begin to recognize those seasons. One of the best tools that I can give you to help you recognize what it is that you need is self-awareness. Now, self-awareness is not introspection. Introspection, you're going, what's wrong with me? Why am I this way? In a negative sense, self-awareness is what's going on with me it what it's like um what's the weather i'm checking my internal uh my body soul spirit weather what's happening what do i need to prepare for uh what's going to what's coming down the road you know you you are you are keeping tabs on hour by hour weather and when there's a big shift you go oh something changed do you know about it? See, because self-awareness helps you to catch those small sparks that if you leave them alone, cause a massive fire or your red flags, however you have learned uh, um, this language. And so one of the best ways to learn self-awareness, because self-awareness is something that you want to get to the place where it's kind of like uh, jujitsu or karate, or it's in, it becomes instinctual. Somebody does something and you react uh, out of instinct instead of having to think through like, a guy's punching me in the face right now. What's the next proper steps to do? No, you just, whoa, you just already know what to do. That's how we want to be able to live our life. But we don't start like that. We have to train like that. So when I was learning self-awareness, for starters, I have a list of my needs, right? That I've written out, at least the ones that I know, a really good idea of the season that I'm in. I'm a dad. I'm married. I've got five kids. Well, one up four, four kids, one on the way, um, any day now I have, uh, my work over here. I'm building brave co I'm also uh, overseeing our, um, counseling department, um, I, you know, so I have a, I have a real idea of my season. Okay. Where am I spending a lot of my energy? What are the the pain points in my life? What are the friends in my life? And now I'm going, so that's all a part of the awareness, right? What's happening in my life? What season am I in now? Hour by hour, where am I? So I would set a reminder on my phone, which guys reminders, I'll probably talk about it a ton on here. Unless you are using your calendar and you're using something like your phone to update you on what's happening in your day, what your goals are, what your tasks are for the day. If you're not using a calendar and your reminders, you're working way too hard. And not only that, but you want to accomplish what you really want to accomplish. So my phone, I would set reminders in the morning. It would say, good morning. How's it going? So when I first wake up, you can even write this on your mirror. Good morning. How's it going? You get up and that reminds you to go like, hey, do you have any fears? Do you have any major needs? How did you sleep last night? Uh, 
How's your self-talk this morning? Did you have a bad dream that you need to process with God really quick? How are you doing emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually? And you're just checking in. At lunchtime, that alarm goes off and it says, how's it going? How's it going? And that's like, hey, did somebody cross your boundaries or or shame you? Or uh, do you need to have a conversation you've been avoiding? That's a good checkup to go like, oh yeah, no, I felt tempted this morning. I felt a bunch of shame and I've just avoided it. Great. Let's not avoid it. <laughs> Let's not leave that smart spark to become a big giant forest fire. Let's actually jump on that and take care of it right now. At bedtime or nighttime, it should say, how did it go? Did you leave anything that you need to go and actually address? Now, here's what happens, guys. When you begin to be aware of what's happening in your life and you begin to nurture the different pain points, the different growth areas, the different seasons that you're in, you begin to put the right things in the right place. All of a sudden, the massive temptations to eat the wrong thing, to chase the wrong girl, to whatever, go, go. If there's a girl watching this, to go uh, have a guy validate you in a way that's not actually healthy, those get less and less and less and less. It's kind of like how how likely are you to go binge on Twinkies after you finish Thanksgiving dinner? Not very likely because you're so freaking stuffed. After you eat Thanksgiving dinner, it's not hard to make a good quality choice on what should I put in my body next? But if you don't eat, and you open your cupboards and you're like, oh, all I see is Twinkies and cereal. What's the chances that you're going to be like, mm, I should probably make a full uh, chicken dinner right now. If you're starving, that's when we end up eating junk we don't want to. That's when we end up you know, chasing things we don't want to is when we're starving. So by learning self-awareness, you're able to begin to uh, keep a really good handle on what's happening in my life. What are the adjustments that I need to make? And it's the same thing that guys do in the NFL or the NBA. As the game's progressing, guys are paying attention, not just to the score, but how is this game feeling? How's the momentum? You'll see a coach call a timeout. If the other team has a ton of momentum in basketball, you'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's stop the momentum. Let's regroup. Let's talk about what's happening. Let's be aware. Are you aware that this guy's beating you down low? Are you aware that he's that, that you're getting uh, blocked on a pick? Are you aware that, oh, yeah, you got to make some adjustments. Could you imagine NBA guys where only one team has timeouts, nobody else has timeouts? Will be a completely lopsided game. A completely lopsided game. So, you know, learning how to become self-aware is massive. I can't even express how massive that is in your life. Again, introspection says, what's wrong with me? It's you typically coming from a place of fear or insecurity. Self-awareness com is coming from a real place of ownership and stewardship. How's my garden? How is the garden going? Um, I love the story of David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel. Um, this story to me is a story that probably almost everybody knows. And I'll paraphrase it. I'll move very quickly through it. But it is a perfect picture of temptation 
getting your needs met and self-awareness. You have David uh, who it's, it starts out in a time when kings go to war, David is at home. Now, do you guys know anybody that's a warrior king that loves to kill bad dudes more than David? No, negative. David is a warrior king. David is a, he's an absolute slayer. And it's the time, it's springtime when he's supposed to be out at war. And all of his guys have left and he's sitting at home chilling. The story progresses and you guys know where I'm going. David looks down and David sees Bathsheba in a bath, which is a very interesting name um, for a woman who's in a bath. Maybe she liked baths or something. I don't know. I'll leave all the dad jokes out, but there she is. She's in the bath. David calls for her, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. I'm, I'm paraphrasing super quick. We'll go back and pull it apart. Gets her pregnant, realizes, oh, she's pregnant. Her husband's going to find out he's at war. I don't want to feel the shame of her husband coming home from war, her having a baby and knowing that I messed up. So David calls for her husband, Uriah, to come back and sleep with his wife. David's trying to get Uriah to sleep with his wife so that Uriah will think that that's his child and um, and hide his sin ultimately. And Uriah won't do it, won't sleep with his wife. Even when he's drunk, Uriah won't sleep with his wife. So David sends Uriah back to the battlefield with a note in his hand that says, put Uriah where the battle is the fiercest and let the enemy kill him, basically. Eventually, a prophet comes to David, Nathan the prophet, who's David's cousin, and tells David, like, bro, he tells him a parable. What would you do for a guy who takes the sheep of a dude who only has one sheep? But the guy takes a sheep and he's got hundreds of sheep and he throws a party and he kills that sheep. David said, I would kill that guy. Nathan the prophet goes, man, David, that's you. That's you. You took from a guy who only has one and you have thousands and you kill them. And it was only then that David realized, oh my gosh, look at what I have done. Okay. Let's rewind the story. Now, when people tell that story, when preachers tell that story, you, you, mostly hear the conclusion like, and that's how dangerous sexual sin is. Okay. Yeah. I'm not downplaying sexual sin. We have a massive problem with pornography in our nation and in in our world. There's obviously a massive problem, but that's not actually the commentary. See, there's a couple facts that you need to know about this story that really makes this relevant. Uh, relevant. For starters, Bathsheba wasn't a random woman. Bathsheba was someone that David knew for sure. How do you know that? Because the husband of Bathsheba was Uriah. And Uriah was one of David's best guys, one of David's mighty men. David had 30-something mighty men. I can't remember, 34 or 32 mighty men. These were the baddest dudes that have ever walked the planet. These were David's best guys that he spent tons of time with. 
He spent tons of time hiding with him in caves and fighting with him on the battlefield. It wouldn't even be a stretch to say David probably performed the marriage ceremony for Bathsheba and Uriah. David 100% absolutely knew who Bathsheba was and who Uriah was. Why is that relevant? Well, it's not like David just killed a random guy and took a random girl and slept with her. That is not what happened. On top of that, Uriah's father is also a mighty man. So you start to go like, holy cow, this story takes a big twist when you really understand it. David David completely violated relationship with two of his best guys and sinned against God, committed murder and adultery, and was living like like no big deal. It's wild. This story is wild. <clears throat> um, when I look at that story, you start to recognize already before David ever did anything, something was wrong because he's not at war. Before David ever started, ever took Bathsheba, which by the way, I almost forgot. It's not like David's horny. Uh, I know what you're saying. Well, David slept with her. Yeah. Do you know that David had hundreds of wives and concubines? Hundreds. That he, in God's eyes, David could have went and had a threesome. David could have went and slept with five girls in a night. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm literally saying he could have went and slept with anybody he wanted to that were his wives, women that he probably has never even slept with. That's how many he has. And it would have been fine. This guy's was not about the sex. Although I understand they had sex. This was not about the sex. You go, well, then what the heck? Why would he do that? Yeah, exactly. It gets weird. It gets complicated. Why when a guy, it's like a multimillionaire Stealing a thousand bucks from a guy who's only got a thousand bucks. Why the heck would he do that? Oh, because it does. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. Hmm. David had a whole bunch of needs. A whole bunch of needs. A whole bunch of pain points in his life. (laughs) His men are out at war. It's not even like he didn't have accountability there, although that's probably part of it. David never stopped to go, Hey, my guys are gone. I'm back here. What's wrong with me? God, why, what is wrong? Why do I not want to be at war? And that would have been a great conversation for him and God. Oh, David, let me tell you why you're not at war. Let me tell you what's going on inside of you, inside of you. You know why? If David would have thought about it for a few minutes, he'd have went, Oh, this is actually what's going on in my heart, but he didn't. So all the things, all the needs that David should have got met by being with his men in the battlefield in that season, he replaced with Bathsheba. So instead of being with Uriah, the guy that he should have been with, he takes this uh, perversion, this generic version, 
in Bathsheba. She's familiar. She's a warrior's wife. She knows what it's like to be in battle. She provides this comfort. She provides this connection, this this intimacy, this being known. Well, David's body doesn't care if he gets known by Bathsheba or by Uriah. All he wants is to be known. And he'll get it met anyway. Mm. David, because he didn't take care of his needs, because David didn't do a great job stewarding himself, making adjustments, he ends up taking from Bathsheba what he should have got from Uriah and Uriah's father. And um, guys, I can't even tell you how critical it is not to not to run from temptation, although that's true. The Bible says it. Awesome. Not to avoid temptation, but to go on the offense and go, how am I doing? What am I needing? What are my needs? Set your alarms. Work from a calendar. Make sure that you have connection on a regular basis. Make sure that you're talking to yourself in a positive, healthy way. Your self-talk is healthy. Make sure that you're sleeping well. Make sure that you're eating well. Make sure that you're exercising. Make sure that you you're, have time with God. Not just that you're t- ticking that box, but actual time so that you're filling yourself up so that we can be the healthiest men on the planet. And guys, I'm telling you, like everything changes in your life. When you begin to understand, you look at your, you look at these different scenarios through the lens of, oh, there's a need, not something's bad with you, not something's wrong with you. Temptation's really normal. Getting your need met in a healthy way is also really normal. So guys, this week, let's focus on getting our needs met in a healthy way. Let's focus on setting the alarms. Let's focus on talking with some guy friends. Hey, what are the needs that you have? You can even comment you know, in the comment section below here, if you're uh, watching it on YouTube or, and go, Hey, here's some needs that I've realized in my life and talk through the ones that you've neglected. Uh, uh, the other way you find needs is what's the pain in your life. The real pain points in your life will also point to, to needs. If you had a dad that was really harsh, well, you are also looking for a man to encourage you. If you have, if you grew up and you didn't feel very confident, well, confidence is one of those encouragements. Confidence is a need that you have. And you'll go fill that with women or you'll go fill that with guys that can pour into you. You'll get that need met from God or you'll get those that need met from, you know, chasing success. We want to make sure that you're taking care of it in a healthy way. So guys, that's our podcast for this week. Um, hopefully that helps you crack the code on temptation. Uh, I'll see you next week. Here's the thing. If you like the content that we're kicking out, Make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment. Um, also, if you guys would, one of the best things that you can do is to leave a um, a review. Leave a five-star review for us um, on these podcasts. It really helps us to spread the message and get the word out. Uh, share it with a friend as well. Guys, thank you so much. Have an incredible week. We're out of here.